You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Welcome to Flaunt. Create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we're going to talk about the anniversary of D-Day. Or, if you're anything like me, the anniversary of all of the multiple D-Days. But before we do, what I want you to do is go to BetrayalRecoveryGuide.com and download your copy of my Betrayal Recovery Guide. I also really, really encourage you to reach out to me because I've been there and I know how you're feeling. And I know how it is when nobody else in the whole freaking world really understands and how painful some of the things that they say can be. You know, like when people get mad at your spouse and they're like, yeah, he was a jerk all along. I hated him. And you're thinking, well, <laughs> I didn't. I um, love them, but thanks. Or when people are like, it's going to be okay. It's going to get better. And you're sitting there with your soul completely shattered all around you and your life in turmoil, and you can't wrap your head around what happens, and you're thinking, yeah, right, it'll be okay. I know what it's like, and I want to be here for you. I think what sets me apart from so many other people is... When I work with you, when you sign up for my coaching package, you literally have 24-7 access to me in the form of Voxer. And Voxer is like a walkie-talkie app where you trade messages back and forth. And why I think that is so invaluable is I know for me, during my infidelity recovery journey, I couldn't just wait for my weekly therapy appointment. Things came up now. My heart was broken now. Trauma happened now. I didn't know what to say now. Things couldn't just be put on hold for a week. And that's why I created this program the way that I did. So you have access to me now. So you can get help phrasing a question or asking for help now, not next week. So if you're having obsessive thoughts and you're totally falling apart, now you have a place to go. If you're feeling happy now, you have a place to celebrate. And to me, that is what I wished I had. I wished I just had a sounding board all the time, sometimes 10 times a day, sometimes nothing for two weeks. But I wish I just had that safe space where I could go and be seen and be held and be heard and to be that voice of wisdom and authority like That's what I wanted was just that person to be there for me. And that's what I want to be for you. So if you want more, please reach out. The details of my program are at affairrecoveryforwomen.com. 
affairrecoveryforwomen.com. You can also just go to betrayalrecoveryguide.com and you can follow the links. So either either way, affairrecoveryforwomen.com and you can get the details of the program or betrayalrecoveryguide.com and you can download your free guide and then set up an appointment with me. So now that we have taken care of that, let's talk about the anniversary of D-Day, shall we? And can you guess why we're talking about this show and this topic now? Yes, <laughs> you're so smart. We're talking about this right now because right now is my D-Day anniversary. So I want to talk about that because it's a big one. And I think it remains a big one for quite a while. I mean, I don't really care how many years after it's been. It's still the anniversary of a date that everything changed. It's similar to like 9-11 or the shutdown date during COVID. It's the date where you start marking things before and after. And it's an actual difference before and after. And it's significant. And I, like I said, I don't care how healed you are, how past it you are, how over it you are, how, how much better you are, because really I am all about transformation. Everything that I do is about transformation. I am the transformation goddess. Betrayal is an amazing catalyst for transformation. I would not trade the woman I am today for anything. And my husband's affair was the catalyst that got me here. And yet still, my life is measured in before D-Day and after D-Day. Because everything was different afterwards. So I don't care if you've had this amazing transformation. It's still a significant date. And if you haven't had an amazing transformation, first of all, let me help you with that. And second of all, it's still going to be a very significant date. Again, because everything is different after that. Now, the two things that I mentioned, 9-11 and COVID and shutdown, those are global events. Those are events that impact us on a world scale. COVID for sure, but 9-11 also, because literally I think every country was also shaken with that. In the same way, even though it's not my generation, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor rocked the nation, but also rocked the world. And when we have global events like that, it's easier in a way because everybody can relate to it. Right now, everybody that was alive and like conscious during 9-11 can have a conversation with you about where were you when that happened? I know in my parents' generation, everybody talks about where were you when Kennedy was assassinated? And everybody has that common story and they're like, oh, let me tell you. And then in my generation, it's where were you when you found out about 9-11? Oh, this is where I was. And like, I remember that moment and I know that moment. 
And then similarly with COVID, even though the shutdown was kind of a different thing, I was planning a spring break trip. We were trying to figure it out. Bam, it got shut down uh, the week before. It's significant, but we all talk about it and we can all relate to it. It's not like you would say, how did you handle quarantine? And people go, quarantine? Wait, what? You you were shut down? We weren't. That That's interesting. I can't relate. When there's a big global crisis or event like this, it's easier because you can talk to people and you can have that common language. And even though your experience isn't the same, it's something that you can still relate to. Everybody can tell the story. Everybody has a COVID story. Everybody has a 9-11 story. Everybody can relate and understand, even if you have very different circumstances. You can still relate. So there's that healing and that bonding around it. Oh, yeah, mental health around COVID. Yeah, we all get it. Oh, yeah, airports and 9-11. Yeah, we all get it. Closing airspace. But you don't get that when it's a D-Day. You don't get that when it's a fair recovery. You are in it alone. And you feel that. And that loneliness, that solitude, that inability to have anybody else be able to relate and share stories. Oh my God, it's a gut punch, isn't it? It's truly like, I am so profoundly alone and nobody can get it. So, Not only are you dealing with your entire worldview being altered, not only are you dealing with the revelation that this person that you loved and trusted probably more than just about anybody is not who you thought they were, but then all of a sudden you get whapped in the face with the reality that I'm out here on my own. Nobody can relate. The things that they're saying are actually hurtful. And that shows that they don't get it. And oh my gosh, is that yet another gut punch? Because you're alone and you don't get it. (sighs) And that's significant. And that is not easy to get over. I actually have heard a few people say that betrayal similar to some other kinds of trauma, is actually more difficult to move through into process than death. Because the person is still here. And you don't know what to do with that. Because they're not dead and gone, and it's not just over, cut and dried, and they're out of here, and you'll never talk to them again, and it's over, and you can move on. They're still there. So it still keeps the possibilities open. What am I going to do with this? What are they going to do with that? How is this going to work? Oh my God, am I going to see them again? It's so much more difficult to process something when it's not final. When there's 10 million different possibilities. Than when things are truly just over. And all of that comes up on D-Day. 
And I don't care how many years past D-Day it is, it all comes up around D-Day. Whether, this is what I'm really going to get into, whether you know it or not. What do you mean, Laura, whether you know it or not? Well, let's talk about that. (laughs) A book that I really, really enjoyed is The Body Keeps the Score. And I really enjoyed that book because it really talks about the wisdom of the body and how we hold trauma in different parts of our body, our psyche, our, our physical body, our mental, emotional bodies, yes, but our physical bodies for sure. And when we're not even aware of something consciously, our bodies are still aware. And part of the reason I really loved that book is I'm a somatic attachment therapist. And you might be saying, what is a somatic attachment therapist, Laura? And what does that have to do with any of this? I'm so glad you asked. Somatics just means the body. Like what you feel in the body, the felt sense in your body. Attachment theory is how we relate to other people based on our childhood. Like if we had parents who were always present and were nurturing and responsive and very appropriate, chances are we're going to have a secure attachment because we knew that our needs would be met. But if we had parents who were not responsive, who were maybe dealing with their own trauma or had a substance abuse issue and couldn't really ever connect with us, we might have an insecure attachment where we're always a little bit clingy or needy in a way. And I hate using sometimes the words like clingy and needy because that the, the connotation on that is, is kind of a negative but it's not that. It's just that we're, it's, it's an insecure attachment because we don't know where we stand. And that's not like a bad thing. It's just is a thing. There are people in our lives where we never know where we stand because they're unpredictable. They've got a substance abuse issue. They've got their own trauma. They enjoy keeping people off balance. I know that you can probably name those people in your life where you're like, I never know where I stand. One minute I show up and they're really happy and positive. The other time I show up and they're like biting my head off and I don't know where I stand and it's really hard. When you grow up with people like that, when you grow up not knowing where you stand, you have an insecure attachment. And it's okay. It just is. Once you know it, you can start working with it. That insecure attachment style is also called anxious or preoccupied because the person with that kind of attachment style can never just relax because they never exactly know where they stand. So it makes them a little bit more like leaning in to a relationship. And when you're constantly leaning in and you're constantly feeling a little bit anxious in your body, that's that felt sense. So somatics is how you're feeling in your body based on that attachment style. So when you know, I'm starting to feel anxious because I don't know where I stand. So I'm starting to like seek to please everybody and I'm starting to perform and I'm starting to get really amped up and like be happy and take care of everybody, blah, 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 blah. I'm starting to do all of these things because of my anxiety. 
because of my anxious attachment style. And it's my guess that you've probably been there too, because all people exhibit all of these different attachment styles. It's just that we have one that is more dominant based on who we are. So when I am in an anxious attachment style, when I'm feeling that in my body, the somatics around that, I'm in a situation and I'm uncomfortable. And I think, yes, it's like I can start turning somersaults and making everybody happy because I don't want you to fight with you and I don't want you to know that you're doing this and I don't want this to happen. So I'm going to run over here and I'm going to pour you a drink and I'm going to run over here and I'm going to take care of your shoes and I'm going to pop over here and I'm going to make some scintillating conversation and then I'm going to walk you here and I'm... That is me in an anxious attachment tizzy, basically. And how that feels in my body is like anxious, like, ah, it's all on me. I have to do all of this and I have to keep everybody happy all the time. Another kind of attachment style is avoidant. And that's get me out of here. I'm not engaging. I'm not engaging with you people. And some of the avoidant attachment styles, I mean, they develop for a variety of reasons, but sometimes when parents can be a little bit abusive or manipulative, or there's too much drama and noise going on in the house, and it's not safe. Another trauma response is to avoid, I'm out of here. I'm disassociating. I'm zoning out, wait, what? What did you say? I'm hiding in my bedroom all the time. I work with a lot of women who in their marriages spend literally several years hanging out in their bedroom or hanging out in their kids' room. They avoid the marital conflict by being like, oh, my daughter needs me to sleep with her. They avoid the uncomfortable conversations with their spouse by being like, oh, I got to work. I am really busy. Mm, I'm going to go watch this on my iPad in the bedroom. And they just avoid the whole thing because they don't know what to do to fix it. It makes them feel sick and nauseous and uncomfortable to be in that relationship. So they avoid. So again, the attachment style is avoidant. What is the somatic sense? How are you feeling in your body? Heavy. Dread. When I'm in my avoidant place, it's like a drain sucking me down. It's heavy. I can't fix it. I can't change it. I'm miserable. Just get me out of here. Fine. No energy in my voice. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm just going to, I just want to read. I just need to work. The kids just need me. I'm going to go clean. Yeah, I got to clean. That's it. Avoidant. Another attachment style is disorganized. And that's when we have a little bit of all of the above, where sometimes we're avoidant, sometimes we're anxious or insecure, sometimes we're tap dancing, trying to make everything better. Other times we just pull into ourselves and shut down. And that's disorganized. No matter what attachment style you have, Because this show is not meant to be like on attachment style, which we need a show on attachment style. It's fascinating. (laughs) But it's what do you feel in your body because of your attachment style? So as a somatic attachment therapist, this is what we do. What are you feeling in your body? 
Do you feel dread? Do you feel anxiety? Do you feel like, I got to fix things? Do you feel like, oh, I got to shut down? What do you feel? Do you feel confident? Do you feel courageous? When you know what you're feeling in your body, then you can start taking care of it and moving it through your body and processing it. So the reason we went down this little artery was because I was talking about D-Day and the book Your Body Keeps the Score. And even if you don't know that it's D-Day or if you don't remember that it's D-Day, or if you are completely healed and you have done all your work and you have transformed into the best version of yourself you can ever imagine, it's still in your body. It is still in your body. And it is still impacting you. And I'm not saying this to be like discouraging and like, oh my God, I can never heal and it's going to be with me forever. That is not it. But what I am saying is, it's important to mark the day. It's important to do something with the day. It's important to feel your feelings around the day, even if you don't think You have feelings. Let me tell you a couple of little stories. Let's start with this year, shall we? This year has been a really tough March. My father-in-law passed away very unexpectedly. And although he was old... And although he passed in his sleep in a very, very peaceful manner, it's still jarring. Death is not a fun thing to go through. It turns your world upside down and you get really, really, really busy. And I'm in the middle of that right now. And you know, there's emotion around that. And I have been feeling a lot of emotion around a lot of things. Now, it is no secret, I was never close to my father-in-law. In fact, I actually was trying to count the other day. I think I've probably seen him between 15 and 17 times in my life. Not a lot of time. 15 to 17 times in 30-some years. So no, to say that we weren't close is an understatement. So it's not like, I am in the state of grief and loss for somebody who is near and dear to my heart. I'm not. But at the same time, death is impactful. So as I'm feeling all of these different emotions, ranging from depression, where like everything in my life has just been ridiculous and I need to quit work because the work that I'm doing isn't impacting lives and it's just ridiculous and I hate it. And oh my God, I'm not qualified to do anything ever anymore. And I could never go back to practicing law. And no, I could never do this. And 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 I'm worthless. And I was a horrible mother and, a, and my body, oh my God, I'm so fat right now. Like, you know how those thoughts go, where it's completely irrational and you're leaping from subject to subject in your brain. And there's a part of you that's like, okay, seriously, Laura, pull it together. 
And then there's also parts of you where you're like, yeah, I'm such a loser and I'm awful and I need to move. That's it. I actually said that about a week ago. I need to, we just need to move. This is ridiculous. We just need to start fresh and like, seriously, this is ridiculous. So I've been all over the map. And is grief a part of it? Sure, my father-in-law just died. But like I said, it's not like near and dear to my heart. So today, actually today, my husband comes home from his energy work session because since D-Day, he has seen a therapist and he's gotten energy work done, which is absolutely necessary and which is absolutely part of the healing. And he said, so how much is the anniversary of D-Day affecting you right now? I was like, wait, what? He said, how much is the anniversary of D-Day affecting you? Do we need to talk about this? Have you really, really forgiven this situation? Are you really, really healed? Are you, have you forgiven yourself? Where are you with things? How much is this affecting you? And like to say he sent me back on my heels again is kind of an understatement. I was like, wow. I didn't remember that it was D-Day. And you're right. All of March was all of my D-Days. And I didn't remember that. That's not right. That's not normal. That's not okay. Let's sit down and let's have a sacred conversation. And he was like, yeah, let's do that. So we sat down and we started talking and I just started processing. And sacred conversations are what we have whenever we need to talk about something difficult, whether it's affair related or something else. And it's just where we sit down without phones, without everything, and we just carve out some time to talk. And here's what came up. I really, I really feel a lot of peace with the situation. Based on my beliefs, I believe there was a lot of good that came out of this situation for both of us. Whether you want to say it's it's planned on a soul level for our greatest, highest good in learning, yeah, I, there's a lot of truth to that for me. I feel like this was done for me, and this was done for him, and that we're both better because of it. So yeah, I absolutely have acceptance around that. I have peace around that. He asked me specifically about forgiveness, and I said this before, in a lot of ways, I don't really believe in forgiveness because I kind of don't believe it's my role to forgive. I think when we forgive somebody, it kind of puts us as higher than them. And I don't want to be higher than anybody. Who am I to grant you forgiveness? Like, that's not my job. I forgive myself for the mistakes that I made because I have compassion and understanding. I forgive him in that same way that I would forgive me 
I have compassion and understanding for his mistakes. I have compassion and understanding for my mistakes. And I'm at peace and I'm in a place of acceptance. And sure, like I forgive it within me and within humanity, but I, it's not really my job to forgive him. But to the extent that I believe, sure, like he's, he's off the hook. He doesn't have to prove anything to me. I don't have to prove anything to me. I don't have to prove anything to him. He doesn't have to earn back anything from like done. It's, it's good. I don't feel like a victim at all. I know that I was in a situation where I was victimized. And I reclaimed my power. And I actually became stronger because of that situation. And yeah, I was victimized. Yeah, I was taken advantage of. Yeah, a bad thing happened to me. And I don't want to say, and so what? That sounds too flippant. But it's like, and that that part is over. I've learned from that. I am stronger in myself and I'm not going to allow myself. I'm not going to not forgive myself or beat myself up. It happened and it's over. I do this work with a lot of people and I don't really have obsessive thoughts anymore. Sometimes something will come up. But no, I I pretty much would say I'm fully healed. I pretty much will say I've processed it all. I've danced it out. I've cried it out. I've raged it out. I've talked it out. I've like, you name it, I've done it. So why did I not remember? And that's where I thought things got really interesting because obviously my body remembers. Obviously my energy field remembers, my nervous system remembers. And the fact that my mind didn't remember maybe shows that there's still some more trauma there that I haven't really realized or dealt with, or acknowledged. And that's interesting, isn't it? And then I think, or is it that I am so fully healed that it just doesn't even rise to the level of remembering? But because of who I am, because of the somatics, because of the attachment stuff, I tend to think more that there's something in my body still that hasn't been fully processed. My mind is protecting me by hiding this. Because otherwise, when he said, hey, it's the anniversary, I wouldn't have been set back on my heels. I would have been like, oh, oh my gosh, you're right, it it is St. Patrick's Day, or it is the 4th of July. I've been so busy that I totally forgot. So what does that mean? And I think that's what I want to spend the rest of the show talking about. Like, what does that mean? How, How do you want to commemorate this event? Because it is worthy of commemorating. And more than just being worthy of commemorating, like, what processes 
are in place for you to continue to feel and acknowledge and heal. Another thing that's really interesting is last year, I had a very similar experience where I was having a really tough week. Really tough. No death last year, but a really tough week. And same thing near the end of the week. I remembered, oh yeah, this was my main D-Day week. And again, I had forgotten. So based on this year's experience and based on last year's experience, the space that I'm in tonight and right now is crafting and creating the perfect way to mark this anniversary or these anniversaries going forward. And that's what I want to kind of talk through with you. My first question to myself was, so what does it mean? What What does this date mean to me? Because this was not the date where I was like, woohoo, I'm stepping fully into my power and I'm so self-actualized and I'm courageous and I've transformed. Like, that didn't happen until later. D-Day is a pretty dark day. So to celebrate in a way that is like celebratory feels really inauthentic. Even though the end result, the transformation that I have had is truly amazing and is truly celebratory, the anniversary of the date does not feel like a celebration date. How does it feel for you? To me, it is such, it's such a fall from innocence. It's such It's cataclysmic. Cataclysmic is the word for me. It is like if you're a Matrix fan, it's when you take the red pill and all of a sudden you can't go back. And you're in this new reality and you're thinking, I don't, oh my God, this is reality and I don't like it and I don't want to be here. It's jarring. So to me, the way I want to celebrate that is it was something that can be peaceful and nurturing. Something that can help me ease that transition. Because it was a jarring transition. And if I could look down on myself in that moment and ask, what would you have needed? I would have needed ease. I would have needed comfort. I would have needed something to help me process and hold all of that information that I was receiving. I would need ease and I would need grace. And I thought that's how I want to celebrate because that's what I would have needed most then. So that is my question for you. Looking back on yourself, the day or the days you found out? What can you give yourself? What did you need most then? If the wise you from the future 
could go back and grant yourself one wish, what would it be for? What could have helped? Fully realizing, of course, that the number one thing everybody says to me is, I wish this hadn't have happened. I wish I could go back and not know. Knowing that you can't (laughs) go back and not know. Knowing that it did indeed happen. What could you give yourself? What is the gift in your heart or in your soul or in your mind that you can go back and give yourself in that moment? Like I said, ease, comfort, grace, time. I wish I could have given myself just time to run away and process. Ease, grace, comfort, peace, time. What is it for you? What would have helped? Because that's what I want to do to celebrate. I want to celebrate by giving myself now what I didn't have then. It's almost like reparenting the inner child. It's almost like going back and fixing yourself in the past. But you know, they say time is not really linear. They say that everything is happening all at once. It's just that we have to experience it in a linear fashion. And I love that. Because it gives us the opportunity to give ourselves exactly what we need in every single moment. And to me, that's what the anniversary of D-Day is about. It's about giving yourself exactly what you needed every year after. No matter if you stay together, no matter if you separate, no matter what. It's honoring yourself for going through this experience. It's honoring your soul for signing up for this crap. (laughs) It's honoring your bravery to make this journey Whether the journey is still like going on and very new or whether this is something that you have been a journey that you've been traveling for a decade. It's about creating a ritual, creating space, having that honoring of this moment. But giving yourself exactly what you needed then. So what does that look like for you? And then once you get your head around that, and you know what, you you can change this too. It's not like you have to know immediately. Sit with it. Meditate on it. Journal on it. Knowing full well that nothing just helps and takes it away. But what could you have used that would have made it better? And then once you come up with that, how do you go about giving yourself that thing? How do you go about honoring yourself and nurturing yourself and giving yourself grace and space and compassion and love and all of that stuff? How do you do that? 
for me, I've been thinking about really giving myself time away. When I was talking to my husband about it, he said, I feel like you just need to be alone walking on a beach for hours. And I was like, yeah, that's the energy of what I need. That is the energy of grace and space and time. It's nature. It's that overwhelming sound of the waves coming in and out that you can't get away from and that can overwhelm you, but in an enveloping, peaceful, calm way. It's that solitude. And in reality, I can't escape to the beach every year. But at the same time, that's something I think I'm going to start creating for myself more intentionally more often. But what can I do to give myself that kind of a feel? Whether it's taking a walk. Whether it's booking yourself a spa day. And telling your therapist, I really don't want to talk. Let's just put on some music. Whether it's unplugging, turning off your phone, getting yourself a pot of tea, putting on some sacred music, and staying inside all day with books and journals. What is it that you need to do to give yourself what you needed then? Year after year, after year. And I'm really curious what comes up for you. I'm really curious how you are going to honor. And what I want to make sure is this is not about thinking back and hating on other people. This is not about bitter revenge and look at her and look at him and look at them and if only blah, blah, blah. It's not about leaning into the negativity because that just makes it worse. It's about honor and respect. In January, I was in New York and I took my adult children to the 9-11 memorial for the first time. I've seen it before, but they hadn't. And if you haven't been there, I guess I think you can imagine it's really moving. And my one son and his girlfriend cried. They were just overwhelmed and they cried. And my other son just kind of wanted to like process and walk around and then leave because he didn't want to be in it for too long. It was, it was heavy for him and it, it felt too intense. And I bring that up because they had different experiences and they wanted different things. And that's what I want you to be mindful of. And that's why I'm asking you to share your ritual with me. Depending on where you're at, depending on who you are, it can change. But it's about being wise enough to listen and to know and to honor. Because going back to that 9-11 memorial, it's about honor. There's the firefighters memorial that honors the firefighters. There's the fountain, the memorial that honors all the people who perished that day. It's about just taking a moment And having that respect and that honor and to allow yourself to feel and to feel the feelings that are coming up. And like my one son, if you need to cry, cry. And like my other son, if you need to get the heck out of there, get the heck out of there. Because it all boils down to being responsive. 
being responsive to yourself in the moment. And when you're so busy and preoccupied with life, you can't listen and be responsive to yourself in the moment. When you're so busy and preoccupied with life, like I've been lately, things just come along and you don't even notice what's really going on. And oh my God, how could I have not noticed? Like the most significant day in my life and I didn't notice? Come on. But my body noticed. My emotions noticed. So yeah, even though it's a day that you're probably going to want to forget, or if it's like me, a whole freaking month of many little D-days along the way, I encourage you to actually mark it on your calendar. Mark it as far out as you can mark it. And I want you to do something with that day. Whether it's creating space or a time or bringing in people around you, if you needed people around you that day, if you needed friends and family on D-Day, invite your friends and family over that you needed. You don't even necessarily have to tell them why you're inviting them over, but if you could have used levity in a party, have a party. If you needed solitude, Have solitude. If you're seeing a therapist or a coach, oh my God, book me every year on your D-Day. Let's talk it out. If you want to go get energy work, if you want to go have ice cream, if you want to, whatever it is. It's about honor and it's about respect and it's about feeling your feelings and being responsive in the moment. But again, you can't feel your feelings and be responsive in the moment unless you carve out the time to do it. And even if you carve out the time, even if you take the day off and get daycare for your kids or blah, 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 and then you don't feel like it, that's okay too. The point is that you're honoring the significance of this event. The point is that you're caring enough to mark it for yourself because the rest of the world isn't going to mark it. And because even though other people have been through similar experiences, nobody's experience is exactly like yours. So nobody's D-Day honoring ceremony is going to be just like yours. But you've got to mark it. I'm imploring you to mark it. Because I don't care how many years out, you're not just going to forget it. It's too significant. It's like saying when you've lost somebody that you love, you know, with death. I don't care how many years ago they've passed away. I don't care how many amazing things. You're never going to forget you had them. I had a grandma. I forgot that. It doesn't work that way. They're always there. They're always a part of you. Yes, you heal, but they're always there. Your D-Day is never going to leave you. But your D-Day does not have to hold you hostage. I teach so much about transformation and using this as a catalyst for good. And part of this is courage. And it's being brave enough to claim it and own it. And to take care of yourself. And it's about moving out of that victimhood and into that place of power. And when you can be brave enough and strong enough to mark that day. Just mark that day. And then be with yourself 
and be with your feelings and be courageous enough to feel it. I'm not saying have a pity party. Feel it. You might feel nothing and that's okay too. But not marking the day is analogous to having 9-11 and not having a memorial. It's just unthinkable. It's just that it's a personal private memorial because it's your personal private 9-11. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What I've decided to do, tomorrow I've got some stuff going on. I've got some clients already booked. I need to do the graphics and submit this podcast, actually. I'm doing an intuitive reading for a client. I've got some stuff going on. But what I've also decided that I'm going to do is I'm carving out a big chunk of time. And I'm going to, it's not really a spa, it's the steam bath. And it's a wonderful place in Denver. And it's got a hot tub and a sauna and a steam room. And they have massages. And I'm going by myself. I'm not inviting friends. I'm going by myself. And I'm going to soak and steam and feel and relax and just make some space for me to be with me and to think and to feel some more and to be responsive to my needs. If I feel like eating, I'll eat. If I feel like staying there for another hour, I'll stay there for another hour. If I feel like coming home, I'll come home. The what is not important. What is important is that I'm taking this space for me. I'm taking this time for me. And I'm honoring me. And that's the mindset that I'm going in with, is honor. I salute you, Laura. You have been through the dark night of the soul. You've been through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're still walking. And you're thriving. And you're actually stronger than you were before. And you are touching lives. You're touching a lot of lives. And it's okay if you feel worthless sometimes. Everybody does. It's okay if you feel angry and rage and grief sometimes. It's okay. Everybody does. It's okay if you haven't perfectly healed. It's okay nobody is. It's okay that you're totally imperfect and that you can be a hot mess. Everybody is. It's also okay when you're not a hot mess. You are free to be who you are, Laura. And you are free to love yourself anyway. You're also free to hate yourself sometimes because that is just the reality of the world. It's being okay with the ups. It's being okay with the downs. It's grace and it's space and it's compassion. And that's what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm being responsive to whoever what, whoever I feel like I need to be responsive to, whichever part in me needs me. 
and I'm honoring all that I have been through. And even just having that plan in place, even though it was a last minute plan, when I realized I'm like, and we got to do this, it feels good. And suddenly I felt this freedom, like in my solar plexus, just like this, and I got way more space in there. Let me know what you're going to do. Let me know what you think. If you want me to tell you how it goes tomorrow, I'm happy to do that. Reach out if you need me. Don't walk this journey alone. I made plenty of mistakes, and I can totally help you. I can help you for whatever it is, whether it's identity, whether it's self-worth, whether it's just figuring out how to breathe again or what to do next or how to protect yourself. It's your transformation. I'm just your guide. But it's your transformation you get to choose. Betrayalrecoveryguide.com You can get your guide and it'll show you how to connect with me. Or affairrecoveryforwomen.com And that'll give you the details of the program and how we can work together. (sighs) No matter when your D-Day is, I want you to go honor. Honor that you're on this journey. Honor the work that you've done. Be responsive to yourself. And I will fill you in on how my day tomorrow goes. As usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are. Because who you are Imperfect and broken, confused, whatever it is, is always far more than enough. See you next time. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Relationship issues impact every area of your life. When I found out about my husband's infidelity, I was so devastated. I could barely function. Sleeping was impossible because I couldn't shut off my brain. Eating was a challenge because I felt nauseous all the time, and for the first month or so, everything felt pointless. Whether you're having trouble sleeping, feeling hopeless, or just can't focus, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. You can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that might not be available in your area. Just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you'll be matched with a therapist in under 24 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I know that confidentiality was important for me, especially early on when I couldn't even get my own mind wrapped around what was happening. And it was so comforting to be able to speak with someone candidly about everything I was going through to validate that what I was feeling and experiencing was completely normal. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer 
to flaunt. Create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash flaunt. That's betterhelp.com slash flaunt, F-L-A-U-N-T. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.